This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. We're going to be visiting today with our guest, Jason Hargraves, the managing editor at insurancequotes.com. National Insurance Awareness Day is coming up. The day was created as a day to review your insurance coverage. So today, we'll talk about different types of insurance you can purchase and how to determine how much you need. Also, it's Tuesday, so we're looking for your personal finance questions. Give us a call this morning. The phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or if you're not near a phone but still want to participate, email the show, money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope you're both doing well this morning. Good Good morning. morning. So financial news in the news, are is are we still t- talking tariffs? Uh, oh, absolutely. And we're starting to feel the effects of those uh, tariffs and uh, hearing about Harley-Davidson uh, indicating they're going to move some of their production overseas because keep, keep they in sell mind, a in lot mind overseas. They, yeah, they, they have had manufacturing plants overseas. I, I've been seeing some talk like, oh, no, you know, they've never, you, well, they would never have manufacturing overseas. They already do have manufacturing Because they have customers overseas. overseas. They have yeah. customers. they got to get the products over there. There's just places where it's easier to make their parts and things like that. But this, uh, imp- the implication mm-hmm. of the tariffs means that it's more important for them mm-hmm. to be where their customers are for those production and still facilities. an iconic American brand. Yeah. So. But yeah. I mean, that that's that shows how much the world still wants American products. I mean, if you're going to buy a Harley Davidson, you can't get much more American of a product than that. So and people are still buying. People still want that. That's so. true. But we're also hearing about um, farmers feeling the squeeze. Uh, mm-hmm. from the retaliation, in particular from China, mm-hmm. and um, and in other areas where they're seeing a loss of production, changing in prices of commodities. And so, you know, when you start to try to protect one area or one set of jobs, it has implications for the entire group. And that's what you have to consider with these policies. Yeah. And I mean, one big thing about tariffs, you know, it's always you want to say who's the winners and who's the losers. Um, You know, large multinational companies like Harley Davidson, that can just go, okay, we're going to move our production overseas to maintain our profit margin. They'll adjust. But, you know, there are workers who might get laid off in the U.S. Um, Their customers, you know, who might be in an area where they have a higher tax on it. Those are the those are the folks who really lose out, Um, at least in the short run. um, You know, hopefully these don't last forever and uh, we get some things sorted out but you know it's it's the people like you and I who can't really do a whole lot about this these taxes 
Um, any other thing to bring up for financial news in the news? Well, I've been talking about the yield curve, and uh, Ryder's right. been laughing at me, right, Ryder? Yeah, so it sounds like one of those things I would bring up, and Nancy would be like, oh, that's so boring. What? Nobody wants to hear about the yield curve. But interest rates are, you know, after, what, six, seven, eight years of them being actually super boring because they didn't move, um, they've been moving. And, and so just to kind of look at... Well, and let's back up and say when we say the yield curve, yield is a word that we use, that we apply to bonds, mm-hmm. that is uh, their rate or mm-hmm. rate of return, uh, that that is the price of the bond. Yeah. And um, the yield curve is a graph that has on the x-axis the time until that bond matures, and on the y-axis the yield or rate of that bond. And so that tells us something about what people are expecting to happen in the future, the shape of that curve. Right. And, and so what you expect is, you know, for a short-term loan, if I was to loan Nancy, you know, 10 bucks and ask her to pay it back in a month, I'm, I'm not going to ask for a huge huge interest rate. But if I'm going to ask loan her 10 bucks and ask for her to pay it back in 10 years or 30 years, I'm going to ask for a higher interest rate. Because there's more risk there, right? Right. And, and so you see that, you know, we, we talked about mortgages last week. You see that, you know, for a 10-year versus a 15-year versus a 30-year mortgage, the rate goes up a little bit, even though... Normally. Normally, exactly. Yeah. So right now, what's been happening is... Long-term rates, they're at about 3%, um, which is kind of right in the middle of the range where they've kind of bounced around for the past few years. But uh, short-term rates have gone from zero. Um, and when sh- I say short-term, I'm talking overnight, uh, less than a year, things like that. Money markets. Money market. You know, you you see it in your bank account. You see it in your money market funds, things like that. They've gone uh, from about zero, and we're talking about U.S. Treasuries, because they're always consistent, Um, they've gone to almost 2% for less than a year. Um, At a year out, at a year out, you're looking at two and a third percent interest. um, And the 10-year, I'm just pulling that up, is... Is it 2.9? So yeah, that's see, we, almost the same. Like yeah. It almost costs as much to borrow for the U.S. government. It almost costs as much to borrow for 10 years or even five years as it does to borrow for 30 years. So, we, so we what, does that at, mean, what does that mean, Nancy? Well, we look at something called the spread uh, between uh, that current rate and the 10-year uh, rate. And as that spread or the difference between the, the two narrows, the curve, the shape of the curve flattens out. Um, and what that tells us, it's sort of like reading the tea leaves when you look at the yield mm-hmm. curve. It tells us something about what people think will happen in the future. And they think in the future rates may decline. And as that yield curve flattens out, that's typically a sign. Not necessarily it's going to happen this way, but it's typically what happens before we slide into recession. And certainly when you start to see what we call an inversion of the yield curve, meaning that that Um, 10-year treasury is higher than the 30. Exactly. Has a higher rate than the 30, then um, that's definitely a sign of an impending recession. All right. So uh, we are going to visit today with Jason Hargraves. He's the managing editor at insurancequotes.com, talking about various types of insurance, uh, what what uh, you can get, and uh, how you can determine how much insurance you need to have. So, uh, Jason, thanks for joining us on the air this morning. 
Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. Uh, tell us, what is insurancequotes.com? What sort of website is that? Oh, really? A one-stop shopping place. You can come and get quotes from different carriers, major carriers, smaller carriers, on a variety of different insurance. So you can come to our site, plug in a little information, and you can get quotes real-time from different uh, carriers for whatever your needs might be. So it's a way to, to get the best deal and to shop in one place. So you're not trying to sell anything. It's more like a clearinghouse and letting people, as you say, be able to compare a variety of companies and uh, to try to get the best rates. Yeah, absolutely. We, there's no vested interest in us for any company who's trying to put it out there. And then what I do as a managing editor for our site is I'm the guy that's putting together all the tips you need to know and the interesting things you need to know and things you need to think about when you are selecting that insurance. But yeah, no, no vested interest in it. We want people to find the best insurance at the best price that fits their needs and their family's needs. All right. So in general, how often do you think uh, the average family, consumer, person uh, should reevaluate uh, their insurance needs? Well, they're not. They should do it. They should do it more frequently than they are. We are saying usually about three, six months because of a lot of a lot of policy terms are about six months. And the reason we say that is because I don't think people really understand some life adjustments they may have. And if if you're not really thinking, oh, this is happening to me, like you get married, or maybe you move to a different house and a different zip code, there are little things that are happening in your life, and you may not really think that's going to be a factor on the different insurance policies you have, but it certainly can be a factor. So you know, every six months is kind of a good idea to shop around. We think, see what you like. See what's out there. You may still have the best deal, but it never hurts to see what's out there and, and what may have changed in your life that could maybe get you a better deal. So, uh, is the insurance marketplace a, a fairly competitive one? It's very competitive. You know, it's it's regulated by the state, so it's kind of funny when you move from a different state, um, you're going to have a different set of laws. So it's very competitive, but it's also highly regulated. So a lot of the stuff that can be done um, is mandated. So that's another thing you have to navigate, what the rules are, what you can do, and what you may have been able to do in Virginia, but you can't do in Maryland. So it takes a little research on your part, but yeah, it's very competitive. Sometimes the difference in quotes may be just a few dollars. Sometimes it could be $100, and that can make a big difference to a family. So you have to consider that and perhaps how comfortable you are with your agent. Do you have a personal relationship with your agent? That's That's been very important for people historically. You know, they wanted the, the storefront and their agent and then go in, have a cup of coffee, talk to the person and, and really know them and feel there's someone behind that agency name where you now have a younger generation coming in and they just want to go on the cell phone and quickly, you know, see a quote, get their uh, policy and be done with it. So we have this interesting marketplace now where you have, um, you know, Generation X and above kind of really kind of maybe still wanting that personal touch. And then you have millennials, younger and older millennials who are like, let's just get this going. Let's make it quick and easy and then move on with it. So it's it's interesting to see how the insurance industry really has to kind of adapt to what currently now is a very different marketplace as far as how people want to approach insurance. So uh, you mentioned there that you know insurance companies are regulated by state, so there are differences by state in, in what the policy has. But could you talk a little bit about what uh, – so so presumably, you know, the state required – each state has some specific requirements what that policy has to cover. But could you talk about mm-hmm. what um, what extra things the policies might have? Because, I mean, you know, sh- surely between different, you know, uh, companies, they have uh, different different features, different services they might offer. What did those look like, and, and how do you compare those? Yeah. Well, the biggest thing where states come in to regulate is really with your rates and how they allow an insurance company to be in your state and set your rate. And so it's really interesting. Um, 
some states, for instance, won't let you use your credit history as a way to give you a rate for car insurance. Other states do, and so the insurance companies have to adjust. So if you're in a state where it doesn't let your credit rating affect your insurance, they may weigh your um, driving history more. So the way the rates are set are really the issue. And for instance, in Hawaii, which is one of my favorite places, if you're going to have a teen driver move to Hawaii, because Hawaii won't, it's against the law in Hawaii to charge you extra to add a teen to your policy. Mm-hmm. Just because you're a teenager, you can't penalize you. Where most other states, so if you have a reckless teen move to Hawaii, huh? is that <laughs> well, is that just hey, the life lesson here? For age, you can't discriminate for age in Hawaii as far as teenage drivers. Where in in the rest of the country, you're looking at about an eighty percent increase if you add a teen driver. Um, some states, like you know, I think Rhode Island's the highest at one hundred and thirty-seven percent. So if you wow. add a teen driver in Hawaii, Rhode Island's going to their laws are, are not strict on regulating that. So you're going to pay up one hundred thirty-seven percent. Whereas, like I said, Hawaii, they're not going to charge you anything extra other than adding a driver. You're not going to be penalized for the teen. So the the states really come into play not so much in what you have to have as much as what they allow the insurance agencies to charge you and how they can charge you. And that's where, again, you can come into a lot of different um, scenarios of how you're going to have to pay for your insurance. And like mm. I said, if you live in Virginia or Maryland, which sometimes people, that's just across the board, you can choose which state you want to live in. You know, it's, it's not a bad idea to, to figure in the insurance costs when you're looking to make a change or, or mm. if you want to live on one side of a river or not. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got Wayne on the line, has a question from Long Beach. And today we are visiting with Jason. Hargraves, the managing editor at insurancequotes.com. We're talking about insurance on Money Talk, so if you have an insurance-related question or a question about your personal finance, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. You can always email the show as well. It's money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're talking insurance today with Jason Hargraves, the managing editor at insurancequotes.com, which is basically a clearinghouse, a website that you can go to to compare uh, rates for different types of insurance from a number of different companies. Uh, We've got some open phone lines. If you have an insurance-related question or a question about your personal finance, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-677. Wayne uh, patiently waited through the break for us. Wayne, you're on the air, so go ahead, please. Oh, thank you. Uh, I hope the insurance police are not listening, but I live (laughs) on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I have been harassed. I had no trespassing signs up. The underwriter, not the insurance agent, but the underwriter, 
came on and told me how I needed to cut my bushes, uh, take things away from my house. Uh, I'm a horticulturist. I'm, I'm an arborist. And uh, now they came back, and I had a dormer in my over my house, which was over an open area, a portico, and it had to be repaired to the tune of about eleven hundred dollars. And uh, no. they want me to also cut a limb, which two certified arborists have said is no problem, or either they're going to cancel my insurance. And this is the underwriters. This is not my insurance company. And it is all over the coast now, the six coastal counties. And the underwriters are setting policy, not the insurance companies. That's really interesting because, um, of course, the underwriters are giving guidance because they are uh, basically setting pricing based right. on what they're, they're seeing pricing that risk. on the ground. And right. um, and so they're giving advice to the insurance company. So the insurance company is going to listen to the underwriter as well, far as, um, as what's happening. You know, uh, it, what are we doing with insurance companies if the underwriter is going to set policy? Uh, we've got a middleman that we just need to do away with. But uh, you, you are, can't you can't do are, away you cannot do away with the underwriter. No, no, I'm saying to do away with the insurance companies if the underwriters are going to set policy, um, and uh, they're going to trespass on my property. And, but, okay, Wayne, I'm going to jump in here because um, this is all part of one process and for you to say we're going to cut out the insurance company because the underwriters are selling po- uh, setting policy but the insurance company is the one that bears the risk ultimately by selling the policy and so they are depending on the underwriter to assist with what's happening as far as conditions on the ground and how do we set the price I understand that I lost my house in Katrina and I got about 8 cents on the dollar I, I know a lot of people down there experience the same thing and also uh when i went to the insurance company i was allowed in and an armed guard escorted me to the agent and stood there with a shotgun while i talked to the agent well i i think and uh i i don't like insurance but uh the the underwriters are setting some really really precedent stuff on the coast now and it's not affecting the other um, 76 counties in mississippi well i understand that that the coast is a particular situation because of Mm -hmm. the storms that have come through um there's been a real hostile environment for um insurance um a lot of hostility between the customers and the insurance companies and i understand why because an insurance company's whole goal is not to pay and uh, so when you're in a situation where you need help and you've paid these premiums, it's, it's a bit of a shock to have a company that will not step up. And so that's just the contentious relationship because of the high risk on the coast. Now, the problem is um, you have to have insurance. I mean, I know they can be the ones we like to just jump on, but you're not going to have real estate development without insurance to protect against those risks. And so that's kind of the bargain that you make. 
And a lot of times after a storm, too, I'll jump in there. You know, our insurance company can also decide, hey, we don't want to ride any more property uh, near the coast for X amount of time, or we don't want to renew a policy. So they're trying to make some judgments, too. And, and a lot of times when it comes to a storm, and I lived on the coast for many years, there's a lot of confusion sometimes what's covered through your insurance or what's covered through your uh, what's covered through the flood insurance program. So when it comes to a storm coming through, that can be a difficult issue, too. So I don't, I don't want to say the insurance company never wants to pay your claim, but a lot of times there could be some confusion on the claim itself. And if you're that upset with what's going on with your insurance company, I don't want you to name names or anything, but it may be time to look around or find someone else with a different underwriter. Uh, uh, I don't but know Jason, if you're comfortable doing that. Jason, yeah. here's, here's the problem that we faced on the coast. And I, uh-huh. and I grew up on the coast, so I understand this, uh, and yeah. I've heard that from my family, is you are right. Um, after some of these storms, then there were companies that left that said, we're no longer going to, to cover anyone down there. We're not going to renew policies. We're not going to sell policies any longer. And for the people who live down there, that means you just don't have the competition. You have a limited choice. And so you're stuck with what you can get, especially you know if you have a mortgage on your property, you're required to yeah. have homeowners insurance. Absolutely. And it's it's heartbreaking in some ways because you have customers who have been a completely a great customer to an agent who've been there for 20 years, who've never missed a payment, and then they have to come to you. And perhaps you had no damage in the storm, but they have to come to you and say, I can no longer renew your policy because, you know, we're no longer covering people for, uh, you know, uh, windstorm damage in this zip code. So, you know, a lot of stuff comes into play with that. So, like I said, it, it might be time if you, what kind of options you have. And your options may be limited. I, I don't want to give the impression that you may have a lot of options on the coast. But, you know, it might be worth checking into it if you're that unhappy with what you're getting right now. I was just uh, kind of got me thinking, Jason, because, you know, obvious part of this complaint is, you know, folks coming in and, and dictating what he does on his property and what his property looks mm-hmm. like. How normal is that? I mean, when and I've gotten homeowners insurance. I mean, I think they sent someone. They took a couple pictures of my house, yeah, and, and, then they, and then they just send me a quote. Yeah. I mean, how normal is that? Uh, what are you know any maybe regulations around um, you know folks saying, okay, we will insure you if you do this or if you do that. Yeah, it's, you know, normally when you get your house insured, and, and if you're in the coastal areas do run a bit different because of, of the liability, but normally you'll get your insurance policy on your house, and at some point they'll want to take photos, they'll want to come out, and it may be three, four months down the road, it may be seven months down the road, I had it happen to me recently, and they normally call and get your permission to say, hey, I'm sending a, uh, someone out to be on your property, they're going to take some photos and look around. So normally they usually ask to get your permission. Um, so that's a little unusual. I don't know if this gentleman had... Uh, um, no one tell him in advance it'd be coming. And they're going to come in. If they spot something that seems weird or is, is erroneous, they're going to they're going to call it out. So, you know, in essence, they may be saying, you know, this should be fixed, this should be that. But as far as, you know, telling you exactly what you have to spend and what you have to do, that seems odd to me. You, it might be something you can work with, but as far as, like, demanding, this is something that you can then work with your agent with who may have to go back to corporate. But as far as allowing the agent or someone on your property from your insurance company, that's not, not that unusual. But they should be getting your permission first. Well, could it be a case of, uh, you know, if I just drive somebody crazy enough with all of my requests <laughs> that they will go away? Huh, well, I guess that, that's always a route of action in, in any kind of business, I suppose. But, you know... It, 
not really, because you know they're there to do their job and they need to check off the boxes and you know dot the i's and cross the t's. So, and, and when you're talking about after a storm, you know you've seen all the rescue personnel and all these people coming to restore power. You'll see equal amount of caravans of insurance agents and and administrative people, you know, pardon the pun, but flood the area to try to help and pay out these claims to get things going. So it can be extremely chaotic during these situations. And then after it dies down, and then you know we assess what's been covered under the flood program or what's being covered under your windstorm coverage, you know, things quiet down a little bit, but then that's when the rules start changing, and that's when a lot of people realize my coverage is obviously either going to go up or go away altogether. So it's, it's, it's a very difficult time, um, and, you know, I do, it's, it's a tough time for people on the coast because you're already, you know, you've, you've lost perhaps your home, you've lost a lot of your belongings, and now you're having to deal with a federal program, which is administered usually through your agent, and then you have a separate program, and then you even have FEMA coming in. And it can be very confusing for people, and it's at a tough time as it is. So I, you know, I certainly can relate to that, and and, and certainly have uh, empathy for that because it's really a tough time altogether. We're visiting today on Money Talks with Jason Hargraves. He's the managing editor at InsuranceQuotes.com, a clearinghouse where you can get uh, comparison quotes from a number of different insurance companies when you're trying to find insurance. Uh, we're going to try to talk about the different types of insurance you can get throughout the hour. We do have some open phone lines if you have a question or a personal finance question. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or email the show money at mpbonline.org. So we'll start with uh, auto insurance. And Jason, I guess there are, are different types of auto insurance you can get. I think comprehensive collision. If you could maybe give us just a quick basic primer on auto insurance, uh, types of auto insurance. Sure. You have liability, uh, comprehensive, you have collision. And basically, if you um, have a loan on your car, you're usually going to have to then be have comprehensive uh, and collision that will take care of damage to the car if something were to happen, if you were to, say, hit a tree. Um, and it, and you all, states mandate you have to have liability, and that would come into play if you end up damaging someone else's car. So most states say, all states rather say you have to have liability. So that's the basic coverage. And then if you own the car and someone doesn't have a, a lien on it or you're not still paying the car company, then you can drop and not have the other two at your own risk. You could say, well, I'm just not going to carry comprehensive or I'm not going to carry collision. I'm just going to pay that out of my pocket if something happens. So that's your, that's your choice. And that's one way to lower your premiums. Um, but everyone does have to carry liability and that's, and that's mandated by the states. So that's, that's the cheapest way is just to carry liability if you own your car outright. If you're looking to save some money, though, there are some other ways you can do it. You could have full coverage, but perhaps raise your deductible. Insurance companies love for you to have a higher deductible. It, it sort of tells them, I'm willing to be more invested in something if it goes wrong. So that's a way you can adjust it. Um, and you can tweak the coverage a little bit here and there, like maybe drop um, this number for a tow or something like that. You can you can totally play around with it, but the best way to, to most savings is just to have liability if you can, and then from there, usually changing your deductible by raising it is the best way to go to, if you're looking for some quick savings. All right. Uh, time for another quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. We're visiting today with Jason Hargraves, Managing Editor at InsuranceQuotes.com. We're looking for your personal finance questions and your insurance-related questions today. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back with more after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book, Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. Today we're talking about insurance rates with Jason Hargraves. He's the managing editor at insurancequotes.com. That site is a clearinghouse where you can go and get comparisons uh, for insurance needs from a variety of companies. So if you have an insurance-related question or if you have a personal financial question on your mind, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. The address is money at mpbonline.org. Jason, before the break, you said one of the main ways to try to get um, your insurance rates lowered for car insurance is to increase the deductible. But I guess mm-hmm. there are also a number of uh, discounts that various companies might offer what are some discounts that uh, folks might want to sort of have in mind when they go about uh, trying to find car insurance? Yeah, well, there, there are lots of discounts, so that, that's a good thing, number one. Um, and I did, before the break, I forgot to mention, bundling is another way you can save. You know, an insurance company really wants you to have all of your insurance uh, needs met through them. So if you have auto, home, life, and you bundle them together, you can tend to get a discount. So that's another way. But as far as an individual insurance policy, you know, now technology has come into play so much with you can have, you know, we can you could attach something to your car that will tell what kind of a safe driver you are. Have you sped? Do you slam on your brakes? And many insurance companies will take this information they'll get, gather over like a thirty day period and then assess if you're uh, you know a good driver and give you savings on that. So that's one way. Um, and we mentioned teen drivers earlier. A lot of companies will give a discount on teen drivers if you have you know a straight A report card. Um, so there's a lot of little things for like I said safe driving and all these little techniques you can can that will chip away a little bit. You're not going to you're not going to cut it in half necessarily but there are lots of programs um offered by many insurers that's another thing when you're shopping around to to see well what kind of programs could i qualify for what if i don't drive very far to work if i work from home and you have very low mileage then that will give you another discount too so there's all these little things that an agent can definitely help you with ask about your lifestyle and then come up with some ideas you may qualify for so uh, give us a little bit, if you would, an idea of how y- your um, uh, website works. Would you, if Say you would go to car insurance, and then could you uh, – um, h- how would you go about doing it? Um, pulling up the different companies or, or – get- Sure. No. What, what all, what, how it works for us is you can go to our website. You'll see all my stories and different topics we talk about. So, of course, I would love for you to go through and read all those because we do a lot of studies and different things like that and, and try to, from a consumer standpoint, to really give people information out there. But basically, you come to our site, and you enter a zip, your zip code, and there's a little form you can fill out, and then from there, it'll actually pull up quotes from various agencies, or they'll actually give you a number, and you can call and talk to someone live at that moment, uh, whether it's at a call center here or to a, an insurance company outside of here. So you can either you know directly get a quote or, and get a policy right there online, never having to talk to anyone. Like I said before, millennials love that. Or if you really want to talk to someone and want that personal touch, we'll hook you right there. You just stay on the, the line. You can make a phone call, and we'll, we'll get you a live person on the other end. So we try to offer 
immediate uh, gratification. So you call, we're going to get you hooked up and lined up for a policy the best we can, not leave you hanging. Yeah, I'm thinking about similar types of things where, you know, like some of the, the big box stores will let you pull up, you know, four different vacuum cleaners and you can compare right. and contrast. Is it similar to that where you could say, you know, car insurance and I want to see, you know, companies A, B, C, and D and then compare which of those, maybe those uh, discounts and, and such that they might each have? Absolutely. If you don't, if something doesn't come up, if you, when you're plugging in, give us a call and we can actually pull up what agents you might be interested in and see what their quote would be for that. So, absolutely. And like I said, you're getting you know the name brand quotes here, so you're you're getting companies you know already, but you now just being able to see their quote compared to the next guy's quote. And when you're filling out the form or talking to one of our representatives, they're going to fill out exactly what your needs are. So you're really comparing apples to apples. Where sometimes if you're just calling on your own and talking to a different person, you may forget. Well, I didn't mention. I forgot. To mention, I you know, work from home, so it, it helps you compare, like I said, apples to apples instead of apples to oranges. So uh, one thing I've noticed when looking for a quote online is, one, you often have to give over quite a lot of personal information, and two, uh, often you, you'll kind of go quite far along the process, and they'll say, okay, great, you know, you have to wait for an email or wait for a phone call from us to actually get your quote. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess two two parts, you know, how is how is how is your quote explore different and and how how is that you know how can we trust given all that personal information why why are we giving all that personal information to everybody well to get a to get a fair and accurate quote we're going to have to have some personal information um, for instance like where you live this sort of thing your address an email um, and they may ask some questions about um, it depends on what type of insurance you're looking for there are different questions for each vertical of insurance we have um, but if you're ever uncomfortable answering those questions you can always just call directly if you'd rather just speak to someone now you still might be having to get other information to that person but like I said some people aren't comfortable doing that um, so that's how but you have to have that to be able to get an accurate quote because you don't want to be giving someone a quote and then be like, oh, but oh, we didn't know this, we didn't know that. So it's it's really no more information that you'd be giving anyone else if you're trying to find um, a, an insurance quote. And, and as far as or email back or a phone call back. Um, it's, like I said, if you want to speak to someone, we try our best to get you someone live. But if it's a high volume day, a lot of times you you could get, hey, you know, we'll call you back in 20 minutes and get you on a line with an insurance agent. So sometimes because of volume, you might get you have to delay a bit, 20 minutes, or we'll give you an email back. But we do our very best to get you to a live person if that's who you want to speak to. All right, very good. We've got another caller on the lines as we say good morning to Dave in Mobile. Dave, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning. Uh, I've been listening to bits and pieces of the conversation, and I wonder when it comes to buying, say, automobile insurance, that there's a, you know, it's good to save money, yes, but then is it a situation that you can be, you know, penny wise and pound foolish. Let me explain. Uh, you know, if you say in your liability coverage by the minimum, which say is twenty five fifty, well, that does not give you a whole lot of protection if you are involved in an accident and are at fault. Um, what are the merits of paying a little more? to increase those liability limits to give yourself more protection, um, you know, as right. far as a liability situation. Yeah. That's, a great, also, that's a great point. Uh, There's a lot of merit to that. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Yeah. Let, let me add uh, one more thing. Uninsured motorist coverage. Um, 
is it wise to maybe increase the limits on that coverage? Because there are so many people who do not carry insurance. And, you know, if you have an uninsured situation. And they're not the safest drivers either. <laughs> correct. Uh, then, you know, you are really, really jeopardizing you know, yourself and everything you've worked for. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, yeah. Like I was saying, that is that is one of the, the key things we try to tell people. Like, you know, people always want to search for the cheapest quote, but you got to be careful because you got to make sure you're getting the best price for the best policy that meets your needs. So that's where talking to someone on, on the phone helps and or talking to an agent because they could be like, hey, you know, we have a lot of uninsured motorists in, in this part of the country. You might want to raise this. You know, we don't have this many issues with this, so you might want to do that. Or they could say the minimum liability is not going to help you because the average uh, claim against you could be $50,000. So they're going to work with you to, to make sure you understand what you're doing. And like I said, the cheapest, in my opinion, is normally not the best. If, if saving money is not your number one paramount goal that you really need to make budget, consider not going, consider adding on some of the other stuff. Because like you said, sometimes peace of mind is, is, is an amazing thing to have. And just a little bit more coverage can do that. But a qualified agent should be able to walk you through that and know the specifics to your area, and especially once they get to know you and, and get to know what your needs are. And that's another thing about having that agent down the street. You know, this might be somebody you go to church with or, you know, you go play golf with. So they're going to know you and know your family, and they're going to have more of a relationship and be able to maybe guide you a little better. So I am of a firm believer that the cheapest is not always the better. If You know, you really need to investigate it. And I always say it's not finding the cheapest quote. It's finding the cheapest quote for the best insurance for your family. And just point out that the liability coverage, you know, that's protecting, protecting you from um, uh, you know, if you hit somebody, uh, somebody coming, you know, say suing you for, you know, damages and such. Um, so that protects you. So uh, that coverage, like uh, I believe as Dave mentioned, you know, that minimum coverage might not be adequate, particularly if you, you know, if you if you're a more wealthy person or you have a higher net worth than, um, you know, just that minimum. Uh, so, Jason, uh, about how many different insurance companies uh, do you work with and that, that someone could get a quote from uh, at the insurancequotes.com? Oh, gosh, on any uh, dozens, you know, all, all the major carriers and a lot of smaller ones. A lot of people, a lot of these companies may not operate in every state. So it's hard to say one person calling from Mississippi would have the same number as somebody calling from Chicago. But all the name brand carriers and a lot of the smaller guys, too, and some independent agents. So it's it's a good mix. And I think you, know, you can expect, you can ask for more, but you can easily get a mix of six, seven, eight quotes um, when you're looking for it uh, to start out with. And if you want more, we'll, we'll get you some more. So it, it's 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 a lot. We we have a lot of uh, people we work with. So if you're you don't you're not going to be stuck with either just a big name or somebody you've never heard of. You'll have a whole gamut. All right, uh, time to take one final break. When we get back, we'll touch a little bit about uh, home insurance. We're visiting today with Jason Hargraves. He's managing editor at InsuranceQuotes.com, which is a clearinghouse, a site that you can go to to get a number of different quotes for your types of insurance that you're looking for. Also, we always look for any personal finance questions that you have on a Tuesday morning. The number is one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. Our phone number is 1 672 7464. We'll be back to wrap up Money Talks after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with Jason Hargraves. He's managing editor at insurancequotes.com. We've been talking about uh, uh, various types of insurance. Um, insurancequotes.com is kind of like a clearinghouse where you can go to compare uh, rates from different insurance companies uh, for your insurance needs. We've talked about, about auto insurance. want to talk a little bit about uh, home insurance as well. And Jason, I think the sure. first question I would have would be uh, renter's insurance, I think, is something that's available, but maybe a lot of people who are renters don't take advantage of that. Do you think that it's wise for renters to insure as well as homeowners? Oh, it's absolutely. And that's one of the things we preach a lot here is, is renter's insurance. And we do a lot of stories on it because it is important. And here's the reason why. What a lot of people, first of all, what they don't realize is a renter's insurance can be really cheap. We're talking $100, $200 a month. You can get a basic policy. And you know that's and that's great to have. So it's not an expensive policy. But you're like, you know, I have an apartment. I just have a TV. I don't have this kind of stuff. I'll wait till I get a house. I don't need renter's insurance. Well, here's the, here's the thing people don't realize. If something gets stolen out of your car, that is something handled through either your renter's or your homeowner's policy. Your auto insurance doesn't cover theft from items in your car. So that surprises a lot of people. So if you have your laptop or a camera or something gets stolen from your car and you don't have at least renter's insurance, your auto insurance won't pay for that. So that's something I always tell people. Like When they see that, they're like, oh, gosh, well, then I definitely want to get it. So renter's is very important to my eyes because you don't realize that it covers other things other than just maybe something that somebody could break into your apartment and steal. So, and it's so cheap to have that I just, I really recommend it for anyone because, you know, again, peace of mind and to have that extended coverage is great. Um, what are some things that um, people might be surprised to find that uh, home insurance covers or maybe doesn't cover? I, you know, I think the, 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 the big problem we have, and especially spend the news a lot with the storms we've had lately, is really understanding your homeowner's insurance limits when it comes to water damage. Um, because your homeowner's insurance, your private homeowner's insurance, will not pay for rising water coming into your house. So if a creek's overflowing or water's rising from a river and it gets into your house, that is not the least bit your problem of your homeowner's policy. That is not covered. What is covered is if you were in a uh, a windstorm and your roof blew off and it rain came in your house and your house filled up with water from the sky, then that would be covered. So it's very difficult to make sure people understand that your house is covered for water damage, but it depends on how that water got into the house. So if it's basically, if it's rising from below and gets into your house, it's not covered. If it's falling from the sky and damage your house, it is covered. So that's the, that's one of the trickiest things people have when trying to understand exactly homeowner's policy, what's excluded. So that's the one thing I try to really drive home to people is that whole idea of what you can expect to be covered under homeowners versus a flood policy. And uh, things that, uh, what affects maybe some of the, how much you would pay for insurance, I would imagine maybe size of your house uh, certainly might be one word, some of the others. Absolutely. A location, huge. As as your caller was talking about, you know, you live on the coast and you're going to be paying a premium uh, no matter what kind of house you have. So definitely your location. And, and we talk location, we do mean floodplain, we do mean coastal area. Even though there is flood insurance, you're still going to have, you're still going to get dinged a little bit for your homeowner's insurance too. So coastal areas are important. Uh, that's one thing. And the size of your house 
you know, you're going to have to have it. You're going to have enough. If you have a mortgage, you're going to need enough to cover for your lien holder. So, if you have a mortgage, you're going to kind of be corralled into a certain amount of coverage dictated to by your mortgage company. It makes sense. But if if your house is paid for, you then have the option to insure your house for what you would want replacement value, or you could just have a basic coverage. So you can kind of dictate how much coverage you have on your house if something happened to it, as long as you don't have a lien holder. So you can you can play around with that one. Most people want to you either get replacement costs, which is going to basically pay for what it would cost to get everything new to your house now, or just the value currently, which is going to be less. So it's cheaper to get that. But most people, you know, if something happened catastrophic to your house and you had to go replace everything, that's when you really want replacement coverage. So replacement coverage is more, um, and, but you get to set the value of how much you, you want your house to be covered for, again, if you don't have a lien holder. Uh, if a mortgage company is involved, and they're going to come in and definitely tell you how much you need to have. So when we talked about auto insurance, you gave us some suggestions on ways to try to lower uh, insurance costs. What about on the, the homeowner side, uh, the home, home insurance side? It, it works. It works the same with homeowners. Raising your deductible uh, can be a big one because, you know, most people, I would say, the average, uh, you're looking at a 1% can be a, a common way to look at what your deductible would be. So, for a house of $300,000, that would be your deductible would be $3,000 before insurance would come in. But if you wanted to raise that to, say, five dollars or $10,000 deductible, then that's going to lower your premiums, too. So, there's that to think about. And then there's also previous claims. If you had a previous claim on your home um, homeowner's policy, some states have forgiveness. They don't, they won't, forgiveness is the wrong term, they won't ding you for the first claim you have, but some states will. So, if you have multiple claims, you're going to pay more. And there's really no way to get around that. You really can't go to a different uh, insurer and get a, and they won't know about it. So, that does kind of follow you. So, keeping your claims to a minimum if, if you don't need to make a claim, uh, making sure you know where your deductible is, how high you want it, what you feel comfortable with, and again, just where you're located. All right. We've got another caller on the line. Let's say good morning to John calling in from Tupelo today. Good morning, John. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, yeah, just a quick question here. I'm thinking about putting some uh, solar panels on top of my house mm-hmm. and trying to get off the grid, so to speak. Um, but if I put those, if I have those solar panels installed onto the top of my roof, I think is where they typically put them. Um, mm-hmm. is, that, is that automatically covered by my homeowner's insurance, or do I have to some uh, up, upgrade to where it? Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Do, do, do I have I do. to do something specific to get those covered? Sure. You definitely need to talk to your agent. So, if you're going to put on solar panels, that's something you'd really want to call your agent and say, hey, look, I'm needing to do this. Is this going to be a problem? Do I need to change my coverage, or do I have to get another type of policy? And I say that because there's a difference for my for me instance my house has a a shingled roof but my detached garage has a tin roof it's kind of weird but that's how it is and they insure my roofs because they're made of different material i have different rates to cover the roof of my garage versus the roof on my house so if you're going to be adding solar panels you need to talk to your insurance agent and see what they can do if you need to up your coverage or you may have enough and another thing with solar panels there's you know it's becoming very popular there's so many rebates out there but a lot of solar companies are actually leasing panels to you over like a 30-year period, so that's an option oh, for wow. people. 
And if that's the case, then you need to research, well, okay, you're leasing me these these panels, but what's my liability for hail or wind or whatever? And yeah, that's where you need to be damage, careful. Yeah. If, yeah, so you need to definitely always, always talk to your insurance company because that's they're going to want to know how many, where they're going, and they're going to want to know how much the, if you're not purchasing them, if you're actually leasing them, they're going to want to know how much that company is going to be putting up for them for insurance purposes. Right. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. John, thanks for your call. Uh, We're going to wrap up the show with an email. And Ryder, uh, you've got it over there. If you could read it and then uh, help uh, the emailer with their question. Yeah. So this is a great one. We get questions like this um, a lot. So I want to address this on air from Annie is asking, she has a six-month-old daughter and she set up a 529. Way to go, Annie. That's a great start. Um, The earlier you save is better. A 529, for those who don't know, that's a college savings plan. Um, She's Set up a 529 through Fidelity. I will say that you can uh, set it up depending on what state you have. Each state has their own plan, which may have tax benefits you like. Um, Her in-laws heard her talking about it and set one up uh, for her also. So this child now has two 529s. Not a problem in itself. So she thinks this might be a problem when it comes time to go to college with financial aid. She's absolutely right because when the 529 is in the parent's name, on the uh, FAFSA form, the Federal Application for Financial Aid, uh, the uh, 529 that is in the parent or the child's name accounts, I want to say it's about 2 to 5%. I'm not sure quite what that is. 2 to 5% against your financial aid. So not a whole lot. Whereas if it's in the grandparent's name, it doesn't show up on the FAFSA, but when the money comes out of it and goes to the child, it counts 50%. So, you know... On income. on it, Because it counts as income of the child, which is counts as 50%. Um, so that means a thousand dollars in the grandparents' name is going to have a is going to have a five is going to reduce the your eligibility for financial aid by five hundred dollars. Whereas if it's in the parents' name, it's going to reduce financial aid by about uh, fifty bucks at the most. Um, so yes, you can consolidate them. Yes, you can change the name. Uh, good news for you, Annie. Don't panic about it. You've got seventeen and a half years to figure this out. Also, if the grandparents just save till the last year of college. It won't really matter. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thanks uh, to our guest, Jason Hargraves, managing editor at insurancequotes.com. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. And thanks to everyone who made a contribution in our drive last Friday. If you're new here to today's show or previous show, one place to go is to go to mpbonline.org slash moneytalks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. So for Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Ryder Taff, and Jason Hargraves, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned up next at 10. It's in legal terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.